eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I hopes he had high hopes he had high apple pie in the sky. hopes so when you start to feel a low set up, must remember that and... Whoop there, another robber tree. Whoop there goes another robber tree. Whoop there goes another robber tree. Flat. Now that's the way to welcome in this hour. Welcome back, Sports Radio 94 WIP. We're live tonight, Chickies and Pete's in South Philadelphia. Joe Gillia with you, our Phillies Roundtable. Joining me this hour is the High Hopes Podcast, all together here, which. We don't usually get on every episode, but they're all, all three of them are here. I've got James Seltzer, John Marks, Jack Fritz. Guys, how we doing, James? Oh, my God. I'm, I'm here. The Phillies are playing a meaningful baseball game tomorrow. How could I not be awesome, Jeff? John Marks, how you doing? I was thrown out of the High Hopes crew. I'm an outsider, <laughs> not currently active. But Well, tonight you're back. You're, I'm back tonight. You're always in the the retirement tour. Yes. No, I, I felt like Bart Giamatti. Did, was, <laughs> uh, I, I, I got Pete Rose here. No, I just, I'm kidding. I uh, this is this is a this is a great night to be on the radio the night before opening day where we have a baseball team that actually matters again, and it's been a long time, Jack. It's been a long time since the Phillies matter, and I know you wrote today. I did uh, on our website that uh, people are about to fall in love with Phillies baseball again. It does feel that way. It feels like the city's about to re-fall in love and reintroduce themselves to baseball because there's whole this whole idea that baseball is dying. I never really believed. It's really just a regional sport, and when the teams are bad, then the team, then people are not going to pay as attention as they usually would. And when baseball is going well in this town, it is unlike anything else. I mean, 07 to 11, this was a Phillies town. I mean, the Eagles obviously are still the Eagles, but, like, people were really, really invested in that Phillies team, and you saw a reaction to the Harper signing. I mean, 300,000 tickets sold, all the merchandise, and... The city was craving for good baseball, and we're a day away from it starting up again. Yeah, and, and the expectation – my favorite part of this is not just that they landed these players, guys, not just they got better off of last year, James, but there are re- really expectations now. I mean, they're 
Their over-under number is almost 90, second most in the NL. People are picking them to go to the World Series. It feels like, it's almost like they skipped a year. Where, you know, at the end of last year, I thought, okay, they'd improve next year. Then maybe 2020, we're talking about a, a real contender. It feels like they skipped a year, and people really look at this team as a legitimate contender now. Well, that's what happens when you have the best offseason in the history yeah, of the franchise. One of the best offseasons in the history of baseball. We've heard this stat a million times, but the first time in baseball history that three all-stars from the previous season came to a team in, in the same offseason. So, yeah, it is. It, you think about 2007, that year where they kind of, you know, like you're talking about, it right. started. and, and they, they just got in. They yeah. made it a little. They got in, but they didn't do anything in the playoffs. It feels like expectations are already what they are for 2008 for this club without that kind of, you know, get them ready year. So, yeah, it's exciting, though. Look, uh, and I think it's fair to have expectations. When you've got a team with this much talent, especially on the offensive side, you should have expectations. John Marks, the over-under for the Phillies is 89.5 wins. They won 80 last year. Matt Klintak spent a bunch of this offseason saying they had to bridge that 10-win gap. They had to become a 90-win team. You think he did it? They better. I'll tell you that. The, expe- <laughs> the expectation is certainly. Um, I look at this team. I, I mean, I, I, we can do like an official win total or whatever. I see them right at 90-91, kind of peaking in at the division. It's still a, it's still a good division. It the is. Nationals are not talked about enough. They have a ton of talent on that team. But the Phillies are going to be right there. And, you know, it, it just depends. To me, what can the starting pitchers do outside of Aaron Nola? Can Pavetta make that jump to where he has the stuff? Can when? he be reliable? Yeah. When, I mean, he, when he makes the jump. If, well, when but, it's listen, yeah. listen I, I, I know this is your whole, like, your whole platform that you're running on, Jack. Yes, thank but you. He's got to actually do it now. All right? And yeah, he's he got the stuff. But see, here's the thing. Even if he just does it the first half of the year and kind of carries the staff and then another guy in the second half is able to kind of pick up for him tailing off, um, I mean, what are we talking about with Arietta? I mean, a, a three ERA with with really high strikeout numbers would be what I'm looking for out of I him. I mean, that this would year. be amazing. I would right? take that, Marietta. Yeah. Somewhere in the threes. I'll take a mid threes ERA for Marietta, and I'll be happy about it. Right? Yeah, last year was almost four. He, and the end, he was bad. Right. And, and and what are we thinking about Pavetta? I mean, I love the stuff. I love the fact that he has swing and swing and miss stuff, and he's pitched well this year. What are we talking about with him? Another get in the threes at this point. Yeah, I think well, that based on how he's talked about, he better yeah, be in the three. He has to be, you know. And and we talked about Larry Boa came on our show and said Nick Pavetta is the guy everyone's talking about down there. It's been kind of the the, you know, in spring training, Nick Pavetta is the name that you hear the most about, who's impressed people the most. And and look, it's not just Jack. Like it has become a national thing because you know, of me. Bit, of course, Thank you. this guy started it. Yeah, yes, <laughs> um, evening show producer WIP yes, started the train, and here. that's why every other national baseball writer is talking about it. But it's true; it's not just us talking about Pavetta. When you look at his numbers, you look at the underlying stats, the strikeout to walk, and all that. The numbers suggest that he's going to take a step forward, but you're right. He has to actually go out and do it. And people are talking about now because they're focusing more on the Phillies because of Bryce Harper. So they're watching a game in spring training, and they're saying, like, who is this this Pavetta guy? Because his stuff looks that good. When he's on, he's on. It's just when he goes through the four-, six-week swoon where when you hear guys that cover the team talking about him, they will say it's, it's Pavetta's head. He thinks he's better than he is. He thinks maybe that he knows more than other people. Can he kind of just wrap everything up yeah. and just put it together at this point? Well, let's work backwards here because they did a lot this offseason, a lot of great things. But the one thing they didn't do 
and I know, Jack, you've been uh, harping on this, is they didn't improve the staff. Like, they're expecting a lot of Pavetta, but even if Pavetta's good, this staff might have a hole or two. Velasquez is still Vince Velasquez. Zach Eflin has had a very odd up-and-down kind of career. The one thing Matt Klintag didn't do is go get a starting pitcher. He was after Corbin, and then it, it got too expensive. He went to the Nationals. J-Hap. They, they pursued J-Hap, didn't get him. It's the same staff that fell apart in September. Like, that's the Achilles heel if there's one. Well, it's, it's the same staff that they didn't improve on the deadline last year. Right. I mean, they were a first-place team, and they, didn't, they, they went out and got marginal talent to help everyone else out, but he never went and addressed the rotation, and ultimately it was the downfall. And I just hope that it's not a downfall of this team. Because here's the thing, is that this division is going to be too good to have to, to, it's going to come down to one or two games at the end of the year. And if you're relying on Vince Velasquez to be your five-starter or Zach Eflin or hopefully Pavetta breaks out, I just think it could cost them a division title. Like, I think not – sure, if they, the idea of waiting until the deadline and then going and making a move and bringing in a Bumgarner, a Ray, one of those guys, like, that works on paper. But when you're talking about a division race that, that is going to have to start from right from game one, I don't like the idea of having – Zach Eflin and Vince Velasquez in there over a Dallas Keuchel-ish type. Well, Dallas Keuchel's still out there. Should they, should they go get him, James? I, I'm not a big fan of his. The nun, I, I just wonder at this point, how much would he sign for? Like, if it's a really low number, it becomes a why don't you just get this Absolutely. Guy? I mean, if you can get him for, for less than a three-year deal at this point because he's still sitting out there on the market. And look, the fact that he's still sitting out there shows probably that he's not looking to cave on his demands yet, but... Which is a bad idea. Which is crazy. At what <laughs> like, point do you on, say, buddy. I'm not going to play baseball Some this year? Some money's better than no money, Dallas. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Come on, and Dallas. to the point about the trade deadline, and we all love that. We've all talked about the Madison Bumgarners of the world. This will be the first trade deadline where you can't make moves after July 31st. Yep. There's going to be more aggressive bidding. It's going to cost more potentially than it has in the past to add a guy like that. Obviously, it depends on what teams are out of it, what teams are in it, and all that. But that's another factor to this where you can't just say, Oh, we'll definitely go get a guy at the deadline and have that be the plan you rely on. When, as Jack says, this team is offensively geared to go. I think it's, I think it's a mistake not to, to supplement that staff now and try and see what you have in Velasquez because I don't think he's got it. John, did, did Klintak make a mistake here by leaving this staff? I remember you last summer saying, go get a starter. And look, Klintak has now doubled down on this same staff twice. He's, in July, he said, we don't need a starting pitcher. He was wrong. Three of his starters fell apart. In the offseason, he basically said, we don't need a starting pitcher. He's betting on them again. Well, I mean, I think he's betting that they can get them to the trade deadline. And if they don't, they can go after and they can improve the staff. Ultimately, is that going to be enough? I I mean, probably not. You you would have your best starter. And you're right about last year with Cole. I I wanted Cole Hamels. And after the season, you said, well, here's another reason you want Cole Hamels. You essentially have a one-year, $20 million contract if you pick up his option. How would Cole Hamels look right now in this staff, a lefty, albeit he's not the Cole Hamels of 2008, but he's Cole Hamels that would be better than anybody else that you're going to have right now. Get better it was a huge mistake. He was awesome in Chicago. Yeah. I, I was surprised. Of, of course, too. I of thought course. he was cooked, and he clearly wasn't. He's not cooked, and here's the other thing. that They gave up nothing for him. The Cubs gave up, I think, international, an international player that they signed they gave him up. It was a, a couple hundred thousand dollars prospect. It was a yeah. prospect. wasn't a top prospect in, in their system. So am I worried about, to answer your question, Joe, am I worried about starting pitching on this team? Yeah, I, I, I am. Am I looking forward to having the opportunity of Eflin and Pavetta? Yes. Do I think Vince Velasquez is always, ever going to be a good starting pitcher in this league? No, I'm not. So bold prediction. 
Yeah, it, it's it's right now. It's it's a glaring it's a it's a glaring hole in this team. But it's still if Vince Velasquez is your is your fifth starter, that that's okay. You know the other guys have to perform. I do I do think one through three is going to be good though. Like I'm more bullish. That's on, all they need. I, I'm more bullish on one through well, three I, than I was. You believe in Pavetta more than anybody, and I believe in Arietta. I think Arietta looks. I'm. I know you're not sold. He's yeah, coming but back. He had 20 swings and misses the other day. Like he didn't. His have stuff 20, looks good. He didn't have 20 swings and misses off last year. Well, how good is he going to be? Can, uh, he, can he pitch to a three-three? Maybe three-nine last year. Yeah, I, I understand, but he also had the torn meniscus. And a short uh, for a guy who's all about conditioning, leg, the power of his legs. A guy who didn't have a full no spring, spring training, training last year. I, look, that's why I don't want Keuchel now. Like I, I know I just said I kind of wanted Keuchel, but I think he'd just be so bad because without getting the spring training. Like Arietta, plus, how long would it take him to get? Well, here? that's exactly. the thing. I May. wanted him before when you could have had him for the entire season, right. and then to Jack's point, if this if the division comes down to a game or two, Dallas Keuchel could have won you those games early. But but, but also remember, remember this about the pitchers. Even if Arietta and Pavetta are pitching really well in the first half, it's a 162 game season. These guys have to do it. Arietta by August may be throwing the ball 88. He may be throwing meatballs up there like we saw. It's great that he has movement right now and yeah. he's pitching well. But that doesn't mean in August the guy that ran out of gas before and a staff that ran out of gas last year outside of NOLA, it, not to not have another experienced arm in there leaves yourself a hole. So hopefully they can remain and win enough games so they can get somebody to trade their life. And they were so healthy last year. I mean, we talked about that too. They, they had remarkable lucky. health. I mean, usually you lose a starter, so they didn't lose any. All right, here's the one thing, guys, that could make all of these questions disappear, at least until July. If they hit the way we think they're going to hit, yep. if they score runs, they can get away with this pitching staff. And this team should score runs. I'm looking at it right now. We had a caller last night say three runs uh, an inning. Three runs. Well, that's, that, <laughs> that's bold. That's I, a little bold. Yeah, we had a caller say <laughs> double-digit runs a game. I thought that was bold. That is bold. Three an inning is even more bold. <laughs> I'll go kind of bold, but a little less. The Phillies haven't scored... 700 runs in a season since 2011. They haven't scored 800 since 2009. This team could score close to 800 runs. Oh, yeah. I mean, I they, mean, especially especially if we get the Bryce Harper that we've seen before. And, and I think that's the biggest question about how good the Phillies offense will be. They're going to be good. They're going to score runs. What, what Bryce Harper are we getting, John Marks? Are we getting the Bryce Harper that is an MVP? Are we getting the Bryce Harper that is good, not great? Because there's been a lot of different Bryce Harpers in seven years of his career. Yeah, there has been. With the narrative right now in baseball that he's overrated, he's the 41st best player, ESPN having Which is 15. silly. The 41st That's is silly. Absurdity. Right. I mean, really, it's, if you're looking for what I would want if I was the manager or the GM of this team is a lot of people talking about the Phillies and a lot of people doubting the Phillies. Use that as motivation. And right now, people doubting Bryce Harper I think he's going to have a huge first half, and he's going to have a really big first year. I don't expect 249 with 34 home runs and 100 RBIs. I'm thinking closer to 300 with 35 and up. He's going to, especially the first half, I think he's going to explode to a big first half. And if he's not an MVP candidate in September, then it's going to be disappointing because that's the expectation from signing him this year. James, I, I feel like a lot of times in baseball, you sign a big player to a contract, free agent, that first year whether it is new city, expectations, pressure, you don't get the, get the best out of that player. It's happened so many times. Bryce might be different, though, because he's just not your typical player. I mean, he's, he's, been, he's been in the spotlight his whole life. I think he's ready for this. I totally agree. We've seen that from the moment he got here. Obviously, he said and done all the right things. Too good to be true is the phrase I like to use. It feels like he has a manual on Bryce. how to win over Philadelphia. He's, he's got he's, a full PR team working for him, He's got right? it down. Yep. 
But I, I do think, and I'm Jack knows, we talk about this on the IOPS podcast a lot. I'm a big, my, one of my corners is that athletes are human beings. And I, we don't talk about it enough. We talk about them like they're robots who yep. can just go out and perform at you a just say like this, Meet your this numbers. Number, yeah. He's, he's going to hit 35 home runs and all that. And I do think there is something to that Harper, his whole life, it's the reason he went to JUCO. He did everything he could to get on the free agent market by the age of 26 to get the biggest contract in the history of baseball. That's done. In my mind, I know there's new pressures that come, but that has to be a weight off of him. I think he can go out and focus on playing baseball. It might be why last year he was bad in the first I think, half. I think it was. I, I, and I think that's why he played the way he did in the outfield. He wasn't always diving for things. was a little maybe less aggressive than he'd like to be. I feel, I'm with John. I, I feel really good about a Bryce Harper MVP-type season. What about season. Mr. Harper Lent over here? What, what, ah. what, what's your expectation for the guy that you, you I'm think? just the guy who does the podcast. Yes, so, right. You know, I, you know, I said <laughs> My you need to start. I, maybe I shouldn't have. Jack, what do you think? <laughs> Bryce Harper, expectations year one. Well, I, th- I, think, I think with Harper this year, it kind of reminds me of, like, a nerd in high school going to college and becoming a cool kid. Like, how he was in, in Washington was, like, it is, I think he's going to be a different person here. We've already seen it. Like, he's already been a completely different person than he was in he Washington. He feels like he's more of a leader here than he ever he was. He never down. was that in Washington. He was the quiet guy that kind of just, he, he would do his locker room stuff, but it was a lot different. So than he's like happened. reinventing himself in his new place. Exactly. The nerd into college turning into a, a, a flourishing. I, lo- I love this take, especially because when you think about it, no matter who came and went, he went to Washington as a 19-year-old yep. kid. And he had Zimmerman it, there, who was the know, old guy. Exactly. He's always that kid in those people's eyes. You have to go somewhere else to reinvent yourself. Yep. I love that call. And I think, I think it's going to be a huge exhale for him. I think he's going to be relaxed. And I know he has $330 million and all that stuff, but I don't think that matters to him. I don't think the money like, – obviously the money's great, but I just think he wants to go out there, perform, be him, and I feel like him in Philadelphia is just going to be a huge exhale, plus you factor in the ballpark. I think the, I think the fans are going to add him juice every single night. Um, and really, the NL East is going to be so loaded that he has to be on from day one. So, um, 35 and 100? You know, I was a little afraid as the process played out that he'd come here and people would already be negative at Bryce Harper. Me too. Well, the opt-out that, saved them. Yeah. The, the well, no and opt-out. The, and the press conference and everything he said, it's just, it, it is anything that could have been an issue is just it's squashed. Gone. It's, it's gone. amazing, John. It feels like in three weeks, Bryce went from, oh, yeah, he's going to have a tough time playing well in front of us here in Philadelphia to now... It's like there's a love affair between Bryce Harper and this city. He was nervous about the afternoon show is what it really was. Yeah, well, you know what? Holding him accountable. <laughs> I don't know if he's worried about that. <laughs> um, no, but, I mean, think about this. The two days before he actually signed, we thought he wasn't coming here, right? The day before, we thought he wasn't coming here. Like, it went off in our head, like, they're not getting him. He's going to go to the freaking Giants. We've been being used the whole time. You played taps on your show. You people, played taps, you played taps on taps. your show. And people started buying tickets to Phillies games <laughs> to see the Giants. They were buying Giants and Phillies tickets. So the same people called two days later and said, I have Giants-Phillies tickets, but I'm going to be seeing Bryce Harper <laughs> I'm go as a Philly. Guy. Like, how great is that? How Philadelphia is oh, that? That's amazing. And, you know, and, and that's what it is. I mean, that's, the, that's how far we went from being – Totally, like he's signing here to, oh, my God, I can't believe this prick did this. So now he, he's a hero. And, I mean, I'm not saying it's going to be easy the whole time, but he's a savvy guy. He's, been, he's like LeBron James. He knows what he should say. 
And if he plays it right, we're easy to manipulate in this city. I mean, just look at his Instagram since he got here. He's just he's pushing uh, Joe, every note. The, he's Joe. the thirstiest, ath- ath- thirstiest athlete I've ever seen in my life. It's, come it, on. He's talking it's unbelievable. Yeah, the it, legend of Nick Foles and whatnot. I mean, come yeah, on. come on, man. It, it, it seems to see the Liberty Bell or whatever that was. No, you weren't. No one's that excited to see the Liberty Bell. He might Bell. be. He might be. I believe everything he said. Yeah. But he, you're, you're all he, in? He might be. Oh, Absolutely. But it might be a really, really good fit because not everybody works in Philadelphia. We know this. Pat Gillick, when he ran the Phillies, he made sure that when he brought in guys, he said, can they handle playing in a Northeast environment like Philadelphia? Could Manny Machado have played in Philadelphia knowing the savages that we are? They made, they made the right business move. But did they right, make, make the right baseball move with the player with Bryce Harper? And I think you get the best of both worlds with it. I think you do too. And, and I think Machado is much easier to project year to year. Harper's got bigger. He's got a bigger ceiling though. Hopefully he hits that. All right, we'll come back to this side. The High Hopes podcast is with me live here from Chickies and Pete's in South Philadelphia. And, we, and speaking of guys that fit Philadelphia, maybe don't fit Philadelphia, we're going to find out. We'll talk about the manager, Gabe Kapler, heading into year two. What we think of him and how he'll manage this new group coming in to the season starting tomorrow. We're live tonight. Chickies and Beats in South Philly giving away opening day tickets and tickets to the Fans of Philly trip on Tuesday down to D.C. Right here on Sports Radio 94 WIP. Welcome back. Sports Radio 94 WIP. Joe Gillia with you live tonight from Chickies and Peace in South Philadelphia. We are about to uh, give away a winner to, for tomorrow's opening day. We have tickets to give away. Also, a trip, fans of Philly trip Tuesday down to Nationals Park to see Bryce Harper's first game down there in D.C. I'm going to be there. Jack's going to be there. Half of this hour is going to be down there. Oh, it's going to be amazing. Bus yeah, trip. Nice of you guys to invite us, but whatever. So no what's biggie. the – all about the evening show. What, <laughs> what's the most important the, show on the station? <laughs> what is the reaction from Nationals fans – when he gets introduced. That's a good question. Because I think he's going to get more cheers than anything. No. There are national fans? Right. That, that's okay. my point. The people in the park. Let's put it. The people in the park that night. <laughs> yeah. No, I, because I, I think he'll get some cheers. I think he gets cheers. There's, there's some no Capitals way. fans in the park, I guess. No, there's no way. Listen, they got so offended by CBP South. They do hate Philadelphia. They though. hate they do. Philadelphia. Yeah, but how many how many Phillies fans are also going to be there? So well, it's going to be difficult to gauge. We already we have six hundred in right field. Well, no, there, there's easily going to be a couple thousand people. There's a lot of people that live in the in the in the Maryland, Northern Virginia area, DC area. DC is a transplant city. It, to it, begin it, with. Exactly. So if there's a thousand Phillies fans, that's going to that'll be louder than ten thousand Nationals fans. That's <laughs> it really sure. will be. It will that's be. Great point. It reminds me of when A-Rod signed with the Rangers. He went back to Seattle. They threw dollar bills on the field. Like, <laughs> I would love if it's something like that. That's clever. That, like, great. that, is, that is strong. Well, there's right no there. way the Nationals fans are that clever. No. Let's not give them that They'll much They'll have credit. some sort of dumb chant they'll chant that. Yeah, up. like Natitude or write something. It. Yeah, write, write it. it. I, I can't tell you how many people that I've just talking to and meeting or wherever that are that are from the D.C. area that, that now are trying to sell me on how Bryce Harper is going to be a bad signing. Oh, yeah. and they're like, oh, you don't know how he is. And I'm like. Well, I mean, I don't really care how he is. Like, I probably have a better idea how he is than you think I do. You know what I mean? And if we didn't hits, want him anyway. Yeah, right. Yeah, okay. We didn't. We never wanted that guy. We just offered him $300 million. All right, let's – High Hopes Pot is here this hour. James Seltzer, John Marks, and Jack Fritz. Let's talk about the manager who last year – and you guys were with me last year doing this hour. Gabe Kapler was the story. And I think it's a really good thing for the Phillies. The manager's not as as big of the story. Now, he's still going to be a story because he is what he is and how he managed the way he manages. He's not as big of a story. What do we expect out of Gabe year two? He's already saying and doing things more conventionally. He's going to have more more of a set lineup. 
My feeling is he'll do some things more conventionally. He'll still be Gabe in a lot of areas. The bullpen, I think he'll still do his Gabe thing. I think he could be really creative in center field and third base because they don't have anything locked down there. But I, I just wonder how, at what point of the season does he go back to tinkering? If they get into a slump, if they are struggling, is he going to leave that lineup the way it is? Or is he going to say, no, nah, I've got to shake things up and I've got to do it my way? I don't think he does it. I don't think with the veterans on this team. Do you team, think he's going to leave it? He'd be making a mistake if they struggle and he decides to tell guys that have been MVPs in this league, that have been all-stars in this league, that I'm going to do this Gabe Kapler analytics stuff. I think he'd be best served in just rolling with your veterans. Like you said, there's going to be areas where he can do the Gabe stuff. The and he can, do the, he can do the tinkering, the bullpen, center field, third base. He can, he can, there's some moving parts there. But for the most part, one through five, even six, leave it how it is. It's a long season. Get a good feel for when players need a couple days. Charlie Manuel was great at knowing when Pat Burrow was struggling, sit him out for a week. You know what I mean? He had a really good pulse on how to handle his hitters. That's what I want to see from Gabe, not tinkering. I feel like this is the most pro-Gabe Kapler hour you'll get on WIP. Yes. In the history. Four Gabe yeah. guys right here. <laughs> yes. That's pretty much it. This Chock, never happens. Chock full of Gabe guys. Uh, I think that we might be the most, um, the most you'll get at any point on any show on WIP. So <laughs> we're all Gabe guys. We're all on board with this guy. But I do think there are some things he does have to tweak and improve. From I'll, I'll give you one thing that worried me at the end of last year. I felt like at the end of last year, they took on his personality. I remember after a game, they lost the Mets. Remember they played the Little League field in Williamsport? Of course. That yeah. was a, yeah, uh, a, a rough Pavetta there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Bad series. They looked awful. They were slumping. And after the game, I, I heard Reese Hoskins talk, but I, was, I felt like I was listening to the game. He was like, oh, we're fine. We're, look at the standings. We're good. We're a good team. They, they never had a sense of urgency last year, and I think part of that was because he was always very calm. At some point, you got to push the button and say, okay, it's time to go. Well, and he's already changed that a bit. I mean, listen to him talk now. I remember yesterday we were talking about how last year in spring training, it was like, we're making the playoffs. Yeah. <laughs> and then this year, he's like, say it. this year, he's like, I'm not sure. Well, yeah, like, right. he's still, we have to prove it, he said. Right. Yeah. He's just, he's been so much more, like, I think the PR staff finally was like, listen, you got to be this way in this town. You can't be full game. I mean, Andy McPhail said it out loud. He said he can't keep doing this type. Of, he has to be more critical of his players in public, all that type of stuff. So He's got to be a human. And, and look, I am willing to give Gabe the benefit of the doubt in this area in the sense that, and look, it could just be rhetoric, but everything he's said, everything he's talked about has been introspective. It's been I'm going to look at what I've done. I'm going to take this criticism. I'm going to use it. I'm, and he does seem like that type of person, right? Like, he's never seemed like someone who is, is like, screw you, I know better. It's just he, he is a certain way, and he's, he acted that way as a manager. And I think that he hopefully has learned from that first season, learned, heard what people have said, including the president of the team. Yep. And I think he's going to react to that, and I think he's going to – Attempt. Look, you're never going to change who you are, like you said. He's still Gabe. He's still a different guy from the type of guy we generally are drawn to in Philadelphia. But I think he's willing to change, and, and you hope you see it this year. John, the one thing I, that he does too much, and maybe he'll change it this year, he explains things too in-depth to, to fans. Yeah, we like, don't need to hear about fit, man. Right, like, if he wants <laughs> I mean, to some use, people do. If he wants <laughs> to use the numbers to make his decisions, I'm fine with that. He should do that. He doesn't have to explain what those numbers are like he could he could just dumb it down and i think that people would like that better don't talk about it because no yeah. fan wants to hear analytics and this is why i did this and do that um 
No, I, I don't. I couldn't care less if Gabe Kapler criticizes his players publicly. Yeah, me I, too. I, I like. The, I actually like the fact that now he goes overboard and he tries to when when they lose six to two, he's trying to spin it positively. I don't want that. Just keep it simple and get the hell out of there, Gabe. Like the janitor that one time. Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> like it's like seriously, I I don't need that. But I also I can just not pay attention to that, right? Yeah. I don't want him publicly ripping his players. I think it's ridiculous. You don't need to criticize. You don't. You what you need to be. Pete McCannon, I thought, did a good job of this. Just be honest. You know, if somebody wasn't good, just say, yeah, well, obviously he didn't have a great night tonight, or obviously he made some mistakes, but that's going to happen over the course of a year, and we'll talk about it, and we'll be fine. I think if, he, if, his, if his strategy was different in the press conferences, he could still not rip his players, but just seem more real be to the real. fans. It's yes. a great, I think that's it. Just be real with us. This is a city where you, you have to be real with us. We, we, we are too good at detecting the BS. We just are. The fans know? are really good at it last yes. year. I mean, no so, one showed up. So yeah, they, they didn't believe you it. Yeah, they know it. Yeah, so you just be honest, be real, and I think John makes a great point. You can do it without throwing guys under the bus. Just be tactful, and don't be Sandberg. And well, yeah, well, have a, you have, have a to care to be Sandberg. <laughs> but I, but I also Sandberg. think a lot of fans want Larry Boa to come in and flip the clubhouse uh, table. Which you know what? Do it. Which yeah. you know what? Every once in a while, I think you need that. To your point, you just can't have the same positive message. Sometimes you need to show people you're unhappy, but. In press conferences, Gabe's not going to come out ripping guys, and nor he should, should he. You know, and they would see right through it. They do would it say he's, closed it's, doors. he's pandering. Yeah. Right. Do, do it behind closed doors. Because, I mean, I'll ask you, what, what manager coach right now in pro sports will rip specific players after games? It doesn't happen. Those days are over. They're over. They're over. And I'm fine with that. The, the one thing that I, I think is a big deal this season for Gabe, and, and this came out a couple weeks ago, guys, he only signed a three-year contract, which yeah. means we're in the middle year, which means if, if nothing happens, if they just play this year and then they go into 2020, he's a lame duck manager. So I feel like we're heading down the path of a few things. Lame duck, I find that hard to believe. They give him a contract extension after this year, which could happen if they're good. Or if they're not good, they, they might have to make a decision here. Well, I don't like the other. Kapler, but the reality of his contract is... I don't think they're bringing him back as a lame duck guy. I well, think then it's a giving, contract extension or he's I gone. think it's an extension or he's gone. Well, it, it doesn't really matter. McCannon got a contract extension in the middle of the season. Right. But, but they would do something. You could say it doesn't matter, but that's doing something. I, I, I would say this. After this year, you're going to know if Gabe Kapler's your manager going forward, right? Like, even if you don't make the playoffs, the circumstances could have been your, your starting pitching fell apart. Bryce Harper got hurt. It was still a good team. Right. It just they fell a little bit short. We're excited about next year. Or it could be guys are rolling their eyes at Gabe. They're fighting in the clubhouse. You know what I mean? Like they collapse again yeah, or there, something. There is a scenario where he is not back this year. I think you're going to know everything you need to know about Gabe Kapler after this year. He gets an extension. I, I don't think he comes back as a lame duck. The one aspect of this team that he's going to have the most imprint on is the bullpen. Like that, That's what he did last year. And for a while, like there was that stretch in late June into July – he was getting a ton of outs every night from guys that... Austin Davis. Austin Remember the Austin Davis game? I mean, they had guys come out of the pool. <laughs> who, who could forget the Austin Davis game? It was unbelievable. They, and he was pushing all the right buttons. I think he's good at that. I do too. But the one thing, he, he will, he's putting himself out there because it feels like they're not going to have a closer again. And it feels like every night he's going to decide, okay, Sir Anthony here, Robertson here, Neris here, Hunter here when he's healthy, Neshek. Do you trust Gabe running the bullpen without... Set roles. So the one thing that really bothered me last year was that a guy would go out and finish an inning, and then he put he put that guy back out there after they got out of a big spot, usually to try to get one more or two more guys out, and then he would want to take them right. Out. So like he'd bring in Sir Anthony with second and third, two outs, he'd get out of that, and then he'd bring him back out there, and that guy would like always get rocked. 
And I feel like that might have been a, a data point last year. That might have been a thing like we want to have that number th this year so we can use it in the next coming years when our team's Figuring actually out what good. You have. Yeah, and I'm fine if you want to do that in year one. Year two, though, like if you see a trend that's definitely not working, like like putting a guy out there after he gets out of a big spot for the emotional letdown that eventually comes with that, like that's one thing he definitely has to work on from, from that standpoint. I agree. Yeah, I personally would love for them to have more defined roles. I'm fine with the mixing and matching of, of matchups, but at least in the closer spot. It, first of all, I think back to the athletes as humans things, I think it's not something that every pitcher can do. Just because you're a great pitcher, I don't think that means you can close. Well, yeah, like high school Fritz couldn't come out of the bullpen. Yeah, exactly, because he's a head case. College Fritz couldn't get well, anybody out. I mean, I, it happens. Hector Neris is a pitcher I actually really like from a talent perspective. The guy can't close. Yeah. It just is what he is. He doesn't yeah. have the head for it. So I personally would feel better if they had a guy in that role because I do think that it stabilizes Well, who's the things. guy then? Is it Robertson or is it Dominguez? Well, that's the question, right? I, look, Robertson's done it in the past. I think Sir Anthony's a better pitcher. Does that mean you put him in the ninth and just lock that down, or does that mean he's more valuable as a fireman type of guy you can move around? I think that's debatable. Personally, I think that ultimately when it all shakes out, I think Sir Anthony will be an end-of-the-game type of guy. So I do think it ultimately gets to him, especially because Robertson is so good against lefties, a little bit more of a match. I mean, Sir Anthony's great against both. It's pretty clear, so. John, they went after Robertson because he's comfortable pitching anywhere. Like, if, you, if you're going to have Gabe do this with the bullpen, you got to find pitchers that are okay if he says sixth inning tonight, yeah. eighth inning tomorrow totally. Yeah, um, I, I think he does. And, again, everybody wants to define roles right now. That's going to work itself out over the course of, you know, really the first couple months of the season. By June, July, you get to August, you're going to know who your eighth-inning guy is. You're going to know who your seventh-inning guys are. You're going to know who your ninth-inning guy is. I, w I, I would put Robert Robertson in from the start to be the closer without a doubt. And, and he can handle it. Let him handle it. And then you can use Sir Anthony how you used him last year, which is sixth inning, seventh inning, whatever. I'm fine with that, especially this year. Ultimately, he's going to be your closer, but you don't have to do that yet. All right, we'll come back. We're live at Chickies and Pete's tonight, the High Hopes podcast here with me for this hour. John Marks, James Seltzer, Jack Fritz. We'll come back, talk about the NL East, some of the X factors on this team, and uh, some bold predictions for the 2019 season. Live tonight, Chickies and Pete's at South Philadelphia. Give it away. Opening day tickets and tickets to the fans of Philly trip to Washington, D.C. next week to see Bryce Harper take on the Nationals right here at Chickens and Pete's in South Philadelphia. And hey, college sports fans, the tournament is finally here, and you can get in on all the college basketball madness with Fan Duel Sportsbook. Your knowledge of the game and the top teams could be about to pay off for you in a big way. Fan Duel is more ways to win with spreads, props, and parlays, so it's easy to go find the right bet for you. Download the Fan Duel Sportsbook app today. Or go to FanDuel.com slash NJ, use code Gilio, G-I-G-L-I-O, and get your first bet risk-free. Just place any bet, and they'll refund you up to $500 in site credit if you don't win. I'm looking at Duke and UNC on each side to meet down the end of this tournament. The most exciting time of college basketball is here. Sign up with FanDuel Sportsbook today and place a risk-free bet up to $500. No worries if you lose. FanDuel Sportsbook will refund your bet up to 500 bucks in site credit. All you have to do is download the app or just go to FanDuel.com slash NJ and use code Gilio at sign up. That's FanDuel.com slash NJ, code Gilio. Get your risk-free bet in now for tournament. Welcome back. Sports Radio 94 WIP, our Phillies roundtable. Joe Gilio with you live tonight. Chickies and Pete's in South Philadelphia. Joined this hour by the High Hopes podcast. Sir Anthony's song. That's right, the fireman. The fireman. 
James Seltzer, Jack Fritz, uh, John Marks with me here talking Phillies. We get ready for the season. The season opener tomorrow right here on WIP, 305. The Braves coming in, and Bryce Harper's the story. Bryce Harper's the big name. But, guys, they brought in so many other players besides Bryce Harper this offseason that it's, it's amazing how deep they've become. If, if they just got Bryce Harper off the team they had last year, the expectations would no, be nowhere near what they are right now. So of the other players they brought in, of the other additions, who's the guy that either you're most excited for or you just you think is going to be an X factor here, James? JT Romita. I mean, the upgrade, obviously, offensively from Alfaro to him is just massive. You were talking about it before with Mac and Mac, but there just aren't catchers who hit anymore in baseball. It's think. a lost thing. It's a lost thing. And this guy is handily the best hitting catcher in baseball, a guy who has hit really well his entire career when not playing in that cavernous ballpark in Miami. And then you look at the defensive side. Obviously, Alfaro had the strong arm and could frame, but Real Muto does everything else better. And the calling a game perspective, I think that's probably been the most under-talked about huge thing for this team coming in is how that guy handles his staff and the difference that's going to make. I am, like, super bullish about JT Real Muto this year. John, who's your guy? Real Muto? Someone else? Oh, all the guys they brought in outside of Harper. Who's the one you're most excited to watch? Well, especially after this whole Fortnite thing where it took Carlos Santana and a Louisville <laughs> slugger to straighten these guys out, right? Like, what the hell's going on in that yeah. clubhouse? And in year one, Gabe trying to be the guy that's that he, he ticked everybody off at the beginning of the year with the lineups and everything to where he's just trying to keep his head above water. Now they're losing games. This obviously had been a problem the whole year, but when you're winning games then you're not worried about guys that are maybe during the game, whoever it was. Andrew McCutcheon brings a level of professionalism into that, into that clubhouse that was needed last year that wasn't there. Yep. And Matt Klintak for sure realized that, hey, I need to bring in guys that have been there, done that, to where now Gabe doesn't have to worry about patrolling the clubhouse. You let your veterans do it. And Reese Hoskins isn't that guy. Still too young in the game. Bryce Harper is going to help with that, but he's more of a lead-by-example guy than going to go yelling at somebody. Andrew McCutcheon will chew somebody out because he's been there, done that. Well, and the whole Arietta spring, too. Like, Arietta came into that last year. He had no credibility. I mean, other than he was Jake Arietta. Well, wasn't he pl- the one playing Fortnite with the rest of them? He he's was. a big Fortnite fan. <laughs> right. Like, I don't even want to hear it. And he it. also called out Kingery in, in that <laughs> Yeah. I know. Like, he wasn't really a leader last right, year. Right. But, but he just, looks different this year, though, from a point, leadership. Great point, he did that after that San Francisco. Just to, to put a bow tie on it, and we're not even talking about McCut- what McCutcheon's capable of on the field, which is maybe 280 and 18 home runs and – 75 RBIs and a ton of runs. And he's he'll get on base a lot. He'll yeah. he'll bring a level of professionalism that they haven't had both on the field and in the clubhouse. Well, they're replacing Carlos Santana with a Carlos Santana player esque player and moving Hoskins back to first base. Like it's just a seamless transition. He's a better Santana. Yeah, he's they a better like Santana. that player. He's that kind of offensive player. And in the leadoff spot last year at the Yankees, he he had an OBP of 425. I think the other thing it was I'm a good signing. He, I don't think Bryce Harper is much of a talker. Like he'll lead, you said, he'll lead by example. But when things got bad last year, Reese Hoskins was the only guy that would talk. McCutcheon will talk. Like he'll, I think teams need that. They need someone when everything's going bad, they've lost 7 out of 10. Who's going who's gonna to stand there in front of the media and answer the questions? Like That had to be tiring on Reese. He was the only guy last year to answer questions. That's a big deal. Jack, who's your guy? Uh, besides Jason Ochart? <laughs> for me, it's Jason Ochart. Yeah, I know but, it is. Um, we all know it's Jason Ochart for you. Yeah, uh, I, well, since everyone's taking everyone. I'll, I'll say Gene Segura. Just from the standpoint of you're, you're adding in a 300 hitter at, at, in your two-hole. It's like, it's like getting 20, 2011 Placido Polanco, basically, is your, is your two-hole hitter. 
Um, you have Gene Segura, who's a better shortstop than Kingery was. Like, like going from Kingery, who batted 226 with a 276 OEP, to Gene Segura. It's a big difference. I mean, just think about Huge. it. Huge. Just think about it. You go from McCutcheon in left field to Reese Hoskins, or Reese Hoskins to McCutcheon. That's a huge upgrade. You have Reese Hoskins back to first base. Obviously, Santana's a better first baseman than Reese Hoskins. But you got still. Harper over Nick Williams and Altair in right field. Well, that's going to make Herrera way catcher, better. Catcher. 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 It's crazy. Like, um, like Herrera last year, the only reason his defensive numbers slipped was because he had me in left field playing defense, and he had Nick Williams in right field who can't play the field either. So, like, everything on this team actually finally makes sense, whereas last year was the mismatch. And the other thing is now with Dubal's just kind of a – you don't even think about him, right? He sits there in the six hole. He could be dangerous because nobody's focusing on him. Before, the offense didn't go if, if Oduble wasn't going with the offense. And, and Franco is an eight-hole hitter now. So you put him in the eight-hole before you needed him to drive in runs on this team? It doesn't even really matter. Pedro Feliz, if he does Pedro Feliz, you're happy. I mean, two years ago, I looked at the lineup the other night, the lineup I two opening too. days it's ago. It's insane. Three of the top four hitters were Cesar, Oduble, and, Fra- and Mike Franco, Hill. Yeah. And now they're six, seven, eight. <laughs> it's totally different. Yeah, I think the Oduble point really, too, and, and especially because this offense is already going to be so good, and if they can get the locked-in version of him more yep. often than not. And, look, you know, you, you hear stuff, whatever, it doesn't matter, but the Jim Salisbury article about him working on the between-the-ears stuff, I, I know that we all know that's been the issue for him, but to hear that they're actually got a sports psychologist – going through at bats with him saying why were you successful here let's go through this and if they can do anything to make that between the ear stuff work i mean think about what this offense could be with a locked in odubo herrera it's he i think he's the x factor for this team in the sense that he can make this offense the best in the national yeah, league they go handling. from good to great if he hits yep if he hits all right let's let's end the hour we'll end it with your your bold predictions for the season and, and some predictions for what this team's going to be i'm going to throw some over-unders at you guys you tell me First thought, over-unders on whatever I throw at you. Here we go. Jack, you get the first one here. Okay. Over-under, 200 strikeouts for Nick Pavetta. <laughs> it's the easiest over you could ever have. <laughs> the guy struck out 188 guys in 164 innings last year. You're telling me if he doesn't throw seven more innings, he can get over 200? It's going to be it's easy. I was thinking about it today because I was writing the bold predictions piece, and it was like 200 is, is easy. Put me at like 220. That's what I said on the high up spot. I said 220 is my bold prediction. John, last year Scott Kingery had about 450 plate appearances. Right now he doesn't have a position. He's actually going to be the super utility guy they wanted him to be last year. Over under, 350 plate appearances. Under, three and a quarter, and I'm fine with that. I'm fine with so that. So he plays enough. I mean, listen, he's going to earn his at-bats on this team. Last year, I wanted him to be given the position so he could develop. Development's over at this point. So unless you think that Cesar or Franco are going to be completely ineffective, he doesn't have a starting job. Franco's going to go through swoons, and Cesar's, Cesar's going to need some time off, right? Let him earn his at-bats. James Seltzer, over-under, starts made this year by Vince Velasquez. Nine and a half. One and a half. <laughs> can I can I pray? Can we give him a couple, Jack? Can I pray no. for the under? All right. Realistically, I think he's going to go over. I, I think that, look, this team has clearly shown that they are committed to trying to make Vincent Velasquez work as a starter. And I think they're going to give him a couple months to do it. And that's over, you but know, that's double digits. He definitely has a leash this year, though. Like in the years yeah, past, well, they he didn't Jared have a Eichoff leash. Yeah, well, they have healthy. And yeah. they actually have someone else who is pitched meaningful innings in Major League Baseball before they can put in for him, but I still think, I think they're going to try and make it work. I don't feel great about the over here, and again, I would prefer it's under, 
but I think he'll get over nine and a half starts. Jack, when is the date of the first Fire Kapler column or, or take that we see Will put out there? Will they boo him on opening day again? May that first, won't happen. May 1st for Kapler. May 1st. No. He's going to be the manager of the year, so over. <laughs> but that means no struggles. Because all, all it takes is a bad week, and someone will say no, it. No, they'll, they'll have a lull in the middle of we're Juno, gonna get Fire Kapler tomorrow yeah. on our show. Let's be no. real about he pulls this. Nola in this out city, and Naris gets a home run. Day. Come on. So oh. I, I think how you have to answer that question is how do you expect the Phillies to start the season? If they start sluggish and the yeah. pitching's not there and the offense is, is if they start early, two and ten. <laughs> well, I mean, listen, ten, we'll melt down. No, 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 no. Yeah. Two, and, two and six. We won't even be through ten games if three people are saying it's not the answer. People are ready oh to pound. Oh and one, guys. No, oh and the reason why you're not hearing a lot of. Kapler talk right now is because everybody's positive and, and happy about getting Bryce Harper and the other guys. The minute they don't win games is the minute that the attention turns to the manager. Yep. John, the date of the first Bryce, the first time Bryce Harper hears legitimate booze, not one guy behind home plate, but he hears <laughs> booze at Citizens Bank Park. More than a smattering? July 1st, before or after? After. I, I agree. Why, why are we writing the grave already? He's going to be fine. He'll get booed eventually, you know. Why? Why would he get booed? Reaction boo. Someday. How Come about on. this? How about Charlie this? never got booed. I don't think he gets booed this year. Yeah, right. Not I, at all? I don't think he gets booed this year. It's Le- like legitimately booed just because I think he's going to be really good. So uh, if I believe he's going to be really good, there's going to be no reason for people to boo him. Look, he might not run out a ball in August or something and he gets some boos from a few people over there or something, but I-, I would be surprised if he has, again, if he has a good season, which I believe he will, I don't think he's going to get booed. All right, let's end with this. Your predictions for the 2019 Phillies. Some people think they're a World Series team. A lot of people think they're a definite playoff caliber team. Over-unders, 89 and a half wins. James, what's your forecast here? 92 wins, Joe Giglio. And Good I have to them, win the division? I have them winning the division by a game over the Nationals. I have the Nationals as a wild card team. I sadly am not. Look, they are a legitimate contender to make it to the World Series. I think they fall just short. I have them losing in the NLCS yet again, and this time was the DS before, but to the Cardinals. I think the Cardinals are their kryptonite again, but uh, I think they make the NLCS. NLCS. How about that? A big one to start, John. 91 wild card, losing losing four games in the uh, in the opening round of the playoffs. So they win the wild card game. You're saying? Yes, they do. Right. Yep, yeah, they get into a well, series. Aaron Nola's pitching, and he'll win that game. But so. yeah. but ultimately, do they have the starting pitching to compete with some of the better teams in the National League? And I do not believe that they are. But it's a good start, and they have some work to do. Jack, 90 wins, wild card, make it to the NLDS and lose. In my gut, and when I close my eyes, I cannot envision this rotation yet winning a playoff series. Wow, so I'm the only one who has them winning a playoff series. I, I have the same thing. I have 90 wins. I have that wins the division at 90. Okay, I think so they, at least you're with me on the win the NLDS. I think they win the NLDS. I, I think like they're going to lose in the, in the NLDS, though. That's fair. I guess, I guess I just believe more than everybody else. What can I say? Well, I, in, my gut, in my gut, I can't see it. Now, if they trade the for Robbie Ray or Madison hey, look, Bumgarner. Madison Bumgarner is going to start game two of the series. Well, no, You'll be fine. If you get Bumgarner or Ray, it's a different story. That's a totally different Give story. Give me playoff bump. Well, that, that would that'd be a game. Yeah, yeah, like one of the best playoff pitchers in the history of baseball. Sure. Yeah. Guys, it. it has been a fun hour. James, I'll, I'll be here with you tomorrow yes, for the game. That's going to be awesome. Thank you for coming out. Thank you, My John pleasure. Marks, Jack Fritz, and everybody being part of this hour here. We'll come back, and we'll take your calls. We have a- okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. 
I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 